I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on Growing Up Homeless. I'm your host, Lisa Evers, on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, Instagram, Lisa Evers Live. And uh, if you want to hear this show right afterwards or any other previous Street Soldiers shows, you can hear them for free. Hear the show audio on LisaEvers.com. And of course, we'll be taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Now, before we get into our topic of homelessness and the crisis. This is the real epidemic that's going on in the city right now. We're going to be talking about what it's like to grow up in a shelter or be out on the streets. We want to give our condolences to the family and friends of 28-year-old Akai Gurley in Brooklyn. I want to talk about this for a minute, and then we're going to get right to our show on growing up homeless. Now, Akai Gurley, if you're just, uh, maybe this is the first time you're hearing about it, He's an was an unarmed father of a two-year-old girl. He was shot and killed by rookie NYPD officer Peter Liang in the stairwell of the Pink Houses in East New York, Brooklyn. Now, Police Commissioner Bratton on Friday said the shooting was accidental and that Gurley had done nothing to provoke the officer. By all accounts, he was just going from one floor to another. And as you know, if you're familiar with a lot of the housing developments, sometimes the elevators don't work. A lot of times you have to take the stairway just to uh, get up and down and get throughout the building. If any of his family or friends would like to talk with us right now about this, Uh, Please give us a call. You don't have to go on the air, but if you want to make contact, please give me a call at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Or you can call me after the show privately on my direct line, which is 212-452-4875. That's 212-452-4875. Four eight seven five. Now, last night there was a protest of uh, several hundred people at least showed up at the pink houses demanding an investigation into why this happened. Questions being raised by some of the local officials about why police have the policy of doing vertical patrols in the public housing developments with their guns drawn. Also questions about the dark hallway. Why weren't the lights working? We know this is a continual problem. It's been an ongoing problem for a very long time in many of the public housing developments. And uh, also this afternoon, um, Brooklyn District Attorney Ken Thompson, who you heard here on Hot 97 last Sunday talking about the change in the marijuana policy, he is going to be meeting with Congressman Hakeem Jeffries and Congresswoman Nidia Velasquez to talk about what can be done, whether or not there'll be an investigation from his office, from the Brooklyn DA's office. We're going to be following this case very, very closely. And if you want to follow it throughout the week, I'm sure I'll be reporting on it for Fox 5 News. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers, Instagram, Lisa Evers Live. And uh, and again, if any of his family members or friends would like to call in and talk with us or say something on the air about this case, we want to open our phone line to you at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. And with the holiday season uh, approaching this week, I mean, it's hard to not figure out that that's what's going on. There are already Christmas decorations up everywhere. It's almost like we can't even have Thanksgiving. We're going right to Black Friday. Um, For a lot of people, uh, a lot of people who are working in retail, they have to work on Thanksgiving. They're keeping a lot of stores open. That whole idea of kind of giving that as a a family day or a day to, to just, you know, take some time out with your family and friends and give thanks is, has kind of all changed. But our thoughts also, as we prepare with our friends and family for the holidays, we're also talking about the homeless, what it's like being homeless. In New York City right now, the rate of homelessness is at an all-time high. Um, as I mentioned to you last week, I was shocked that more than 58,000 people are in New York City shelters, according to the Coalition for the Homeless. Almost half of them, more than 24,000, our children. Many of them are working parents who are just trying to make ends meet and simply are there for economic reasons because they just can't afford the rents. You know, they just can't afford housing in the city. 
um, with what they're getting paid for their jobs. Many are doing two and three jobs. What are the reasons for this? What does it do to a child? That's what we're going to find out with our panel and, of course, you. And if you're on the street right now, if you don't know where you're going to be sleeping, if you're stressed out because you don't have a place to stay, give us a call at one 800 9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. On Twitter, at Lisa Evers, hashtag homeless. Lisa Evers Live on Instagram. Text your family and friends out of the tri-state. Tell them to listen in right now to the live stream of the show on hot97.com. And again, we're taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. 1-800-223-9797. Joining me right now is Jasmine Hernandez. She's a mother of three. She's working two jobs. She's currently living in a homeless shelter. We're going to find out what that's all about and what that's like and and the extreme length she's going to try to keep her family together and just keep on going. Jasmine, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Also with us is Eugene Woody. He's a digital arts creator. He is a volunteer with the group 500 Men Making a Difference. And you know that organization's name because they were involved with our Brooklyn uh, Push for Peace. They also helped us with a family, a single father of four children uh, who was formerly homeless. They helped us uh, get furnishings for his apartment, get the kids ready for schools, and the uh, shout out to the president of that organization, Wayne Devonish, and the whole Devonish family, his wife and his mother as well, because everybody's involved giving support there, and all the members of 500 Men. Now, Eugene grew up in a homeless shelter at various times and went on to become very successful in his career as a documentary filmmaker and digital arts creator and is giving back to the community. Eugene, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Jasmine, tell us about your situation. Well, I've been in a shelter since I was 18, in and out. I'm 24 now, and it's not easy, you know, to take care of three kids, a single mother, and have two jobs. I actually just started working two jobs. You know, it, it makes it harder on me because, you know, I want the finer things in life. Who doesn't, you know? And um, I... It's, 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 it's just really hard, you know. Um, I've been in and out the shelter since 18. 18, I went to the shelter. I got an apartment from, like, a work advantage, a program. Stood there for two years, and I had to, to leave because I had a domestic violence issue with my daughter's father. I left. Nine months later, I got another apartment. I was in a shelter for nine months. Um, you know, I did mistakes in my past because I went back to this man when I, I shouldn't. I had a daughter. You know, things went left, and I actually end up again in a shelter. So I'm, like, fighting so hard just to get an apartment, um, housing. I'm just waiting on them, you know, to give me an apartment. I'm certified for housing. I'm just, I'm just waiting. How old are your children? I have a 6-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 2-year-old. And you're living, t- describe the shelter for us. Well, this shelter is a domestic violence shelter. It's, it's kind of different than, you know, a regular shelter. Um, they help you a lot. They, they offer you things when you do have your apartment. They, like, if you work with these people, then they'll work with you. So there is support there, but it's just a question of there's no apartments. Exactly, because there's, there's no programs. I feel like people took advantage of the programs that they did have before in, in the past, and now there's no money to, you know, go around to help. What about your, what's your daily, li- what's your day like? Like, what time do you, do you start in the morning? Like, I wake up in the morning, 6.30, get my kids ready for school. At 12 o'clock, I have to go to work to 4 o'clock. Then I have to go to another job at 5 to 9. So by the time I get home, it's it's pretty late. I don't have time to spend with my kids. I go home and get them ready for bed, wake up in the morning and do the same thing. The only days I have off is Friday, and I literally don't see them on the weekend. So Friday, I just try to take them out to like a movies or to Chuck E. Cheese and then that's the only day that I spend time with them. And then what kind of jobs are, um, are you doing? Well, I do driving jobs. I work in a delivery job called the 1-800-Courier and then I work at Domino's for, you know, delivery. And then, so, so your hours, so the only day you have with the children is Friday? The only day, Friday. And then are you able to save any money at all to like, try to get an apartment or is that just impossible? Like, it's it's a little hard for me because I don't have financial help by their fathers. Um, I have a car, so I have to pay the car. I have to, you know, take care of Dom, buy them sneakers, clothes. You know, it's, it's really difficult, but I'm just trying my best. I'm saving little money here and then, but eventually I'm hoping to reach my goal. And what's been the hardest part about this for you? 
um, not having their fathers around because, you know, they get sad when their fathers is not around. And, you know, I can't explain to them why their dad is not here. And I'll just try to, like, go on with my day and not mention them. My daughter always asks for her father, and, and I can't tell them, oh, well, you know, your father is this place. He's going through something himself. You know, I, I prefer him to explain to her, you know. What about how bad was it for you to, to leave, the, leave the father? Well, the first time it was like a rough situation, but the second time, it, like, this man abused me, you know, like, I had to leave. It's like my kids. And when you say abuse, what do you mean for, for people that don't understand? Like, he he hit me. I was in a, you know, on a position that I, I shouldn't be around with my kids. Like, he was abusive. He hit, you know, even verbally abused, you know, so that's not somewhere where I want to be and show my kids, like, it's acceptable because it's not. 1-800-223-9797. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. Well, it's amazing that you're able to keep everything together like that and, and continue that schedule and, and keep working day after day after day. 1-800-223-9797, Growing Up Homeless. We're talking about... Um, we're talking about growing up homeless in New, in New York City and uh, taking your telephone calls as well. Eugene Woody, tell us about your story. Well, our situation was a little bit different. We actually came from a stable background. My mother uh, bought land in Pennsylvania, and she tried to give us a better life, so she moved us out there. Upon getting out there, um, we were going to school and things of that nature trying to fit in, and we had a landlord who wasn't very favorable Um we were living in uh, bad living conditions, and we had to come back to New York because we couldn't find a stable place to live after the school year. So we were living with our grandparents in a, a basement apartment. We couldn't stay there because they weren't supposed to be there themselves, and um, she decided to go through the shelter system. When we got to the shelter system, we ba- anybody that knows about the shelter system, you go to the Bronx and intake, and you basically just sleep on wooden benches. So we had to do that for about a week until they can find. And, and when you were there, it was they did clean it up and they did build a new a new uh, facility there. But you're talking about the emergency assistance unit right off the Grand Concourse yes. there, like uh-huh. right just up from uh, 149th. Yes, at that time I was about 17 years old. We had just come back, like I said, and it was just. Um, a terrible place, you know. It was just not not some place you want to be. Not some place you want to be with kids. So it's you and your moms and your two sisters. My two little sisters, yes. And then what happened when you guys get to the emergency assistance unit? And then what happens? We basically, like I said, we basically just sleep on wooden benches and wait for them to place us. They gave us a, a room like two blocks away from there, and we just stayed there until they could find another shelter for us to stay in. And how long were you in the shelter system? We were in the shelter system for three years. And what changes did you go through and did you see go your sisters go through? Um, for me, it was more psychological and physical. I fell into a deep bout of depression because I came from a place where I was, you know, playing basketball, going to school and had friends to a place where I couldn't even leave because there was a curfew. You know, and you have to sign in, you have to sign out, you have to, you know, eat food that is just like prison food basically it doesn't taste very well and you're sleeping in a place that is just a room no bigger than the studio with and i'm there with three females you know what i mean there's no privacy there's no place you can cook there's no you know there's really nothing you can really do what do you think people don't understand about that with with people in the homeless shelter system um my mother worked actually she worked nights and um i actually tried to go back to school to, to get my education, but I had to actually stay because she worked nights. So if I left, they had threatened to kick her out of the shelter system. And a lot of people believe that being in the shelter system, you're just mooching off of the system and you don't want to work. You know, and, that, and that's not the case. She was a, she's a hardworking woman and she still works to this day. All right, let's take some phone calls. 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to Kim right now from Brooklyn. Kim, hi, you're on Hot 97. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, I've actually been in the shelter system for a while now with my son, and I just want to shed light on the whole situation. A lot of people don't know that they actually pay about, I guess, depending on how many people you have in your family, close to $5,000 a month. So it's like if they have this much money to pay for people to stay here, then why is it that there's not more affordable housing being built? 
All right. Well, that's that's the question. Um, we were hoping to have Patrick Marquis from the Coalition for the Homeless on the show today. That's something he told me during the week. I interviewed him for Fox 5 News. You can see the story on LisaEvers.com. He said basically exactly the point that you're bringing up, Kim. He said that there are um, the amount of money to keep families in shelters could really go for you know, they could be housed in apartments at a much lower cost to the city and to the taxpayers. It's just the housing is not there. So uh, let's take some more calls. Let's go to um, Maurice from Brooklyn. Maurice, hi, you're on Hot 97. Hey, Maurice. Maurice, are you there? Oh, uh, yes, yes, I'm here. Yeah, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Okay, um, my situation is trying to avoid going into the shelter system. Uh, like right now, I have an apartment. You know what I'm saying? I've been through a crisis with ACS, and you know what I'm saying? I did everything I had to do to get my apartment. And, you know, during that process, you know, I had to pay for a lawyer. I also had expenses, you know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a working parent. And right now, I'm pending eviction, you know what I'm saying, because I couldn't maintain the rent. And I'm trying to get help now. I'm trying to avoid going into the shelter system. So what's the... Go ahead, I'm, I'm sorry, Maurice. To see what, I'm just trying to see, you know, how, how can I get help to avoid going through this? You know what, we were hoping to have somebody from the uh, homeless services. Let me let me see if we can get... Jasmine, you want to say something to him? Actually, when you go into PATH, you know what that is, right? When you go for the homeless, um, yes. they offer you things so you don't go into the system like they'll offer you um three months of rent and stuff like that until you could like fix yourself get a job and try to pay that rent and get there. there's like i know that there's like different programs that can help you you just have to ask you know if if you don't ask you're not going to find these programs Maurice, there is a there is a, a city and state program that Jasmine's talking about where they do help. Um, it's fairly new, I think, that where they can, they can help you if you're about to be evicted. Where would he go for that? Like, well, call three one one. He can call three one one, but also when you go to Path, um, what's Path? That's the shelter where you go, okay. the main shelter where they place you at. Right. When you go there, they offer you um, rent. Like they, even if you want a new apartment, they'll be like, um, you can go get a one shot deal and we'll pay for it. So they'll pay you. First month rent, first month security, and maybe like a second month's rent. Like they have help. Just people take advantage, and they just want to go in the system because they think it's free, and you know they get to live there. Well, see, that's that's my point. I'm not trying to go into the system. You understand? I mean, like I have a good job. It's right. just that I went through a crisis. You understand? I had to start from scratch. I had to start with a new apartment, new furniture, new clothing. You know what I'm saying? Pay my rent, and you know I had I have everything. In, uh, you know, I got everything that I needed. Now I need to maintain it. And I'm I'm so backed up in the hole, you know what I'm saying? I, I fell three months right behind, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I can get that one shit deal and get my jump start, I can maintain it from that point on. Well, that's what, Maurice. I would. I, I think that's. I think that's your best bet at this point. What Jasmine said is path, and then also uh, call three one one because there is a program, and ask for Department of Homeless Services because there is a program like that where they try to help people that are in your situation. Let's go right now to uh, Joanne Villarin. She's with the Safe Horizon Street Work Project. They reach nearly twenty one thousand homeless teens each year. They have a hotline eight hundred seven zero eight. 6600. Joanne, thank you so much for being with us. Hi, good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Now, um, Safe Horizon, the street work project, uh, what are the main reasons that teens end up being homeless? Because a lot of people would think, oh, they're living with a relative or living with a parent. Um, Well, that's a really good question. Um, As we're listening to the callers coming in, um, we're finding that um, a lot of the young people who are entering um, homelessness are, are, are... you know, are parts of families that are um, also experiencing homelessness. And so there are young people that, you know, that have family support, but their families can no longer support them. So they, you know, especially you're finding, like, people around them, right, age of 18 or 19, and um, they're not on the lease in their family's home. Um, their family themselves are in the, in the shelter system. So, you know, they have to kind of fend for themselves. So that's one of the reasons that some of the young people are out there. Um, other young people are, um, you know, are, are coming out of the foster care system. They don't have any supports set up. Um, some of them are um, fleeing violent and traumatic home situations. Um, 
So there's like, you know, there's a bunch of different factors that play into uh, youth homelessness. And then what kind of help do you offer them? Um, well, Safe Horizon Street Work Project is a, um, we have like two drop-in centers, uh, which provides case management and um, and counseling services. We have on-site concrete services like meals, sh- um, showers, um, uh, you know, um, legal, psychiatric, medical services, things like that. And then we also have a 24-bed, and that's a very small number, as you know, 24-bed 30-day crisis shelter, which is available for young people who are um, newly homeless or even chronically homeless, where they can go and find respite for 30 days while we work on longer plans, longer-term plans. Um, and we also have a, um, an outreach, a uh, mobile outreach unit that goes out into the five boroughs seven days a week. And so we meet young people that way, and we uh, transfer them to shelters, uh, sometimes our own, sometimes to other youth shelters or adult shelters. So, um, yeah, we're out there in all ways. All right, Joanne, we'll keep up the great work. The hotline for the Safe Horizon Street Work Project is 1-800-708-6600. That's 1-800-708-6600. Joanne Villarin from Safe Horizon Street Work Project. Thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having this conversation. Thank you. And uh, we're also taking your phone calls, 1-800-223-9797, streaming live on hot97.com, Twitter, at Lisa Evers, Instagram. Lisa Evers Live. And let's go right now to uh, Dr. Carmela DeCandia. She is the director of the National Center on Family Homelessness. There was a story about her in Fox News Latino. She's a co-author of a report called America's Youngest Outcast. Dr. Carmela, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, good morning, and thanks for having me. Um, you're, you gave us some shocking numbers in that report. You say one out of every 30 children in the United States are homeless? Yeah, you know, the numbers of homeless children are increasing, and our report, America's Youngest Outcast, found that uh, in 2013, two and a half million children experienced homelessness in our country, and that amounts to one in 30 children across the country, and that's happening in every state across the country. It's not just an urban problem, but it's in rural areas, suburban communities, really in every town and city across the country. Why is this happening now at this time? Because people are saying the economy is getting better. We see new housing, at least in, in, in New York City. We're, we're seeing new buildings going up, new apartments going being built. A lot of them are, look like luxury places, but there's new homes being built in other communities. Why is this happening now? Sure. So, you know, as I said, the numbers have been going up really for about three decades. Um, and from 2012 to 2013, the numbers uh, of homeless children increased 8% nationally. And poverty is really the driver of child homelessness. Um, really, the um, the demographics of families have changed. There's a, a number of factors that have come together. And homeless families are typically headed by single mothers uh, living below the poverty line who are parenting very young children. We actually know that more than half of the homeless child population is under age six. So these moms who have limited education and employment opportunities um, are really struggling in the labor market. And we see the lingering impacts of the Great Recession. Even though recovery has happened in certain sectors of the economy, uh, the benefits really haven't reached this population. And so they are really continuing to struggle, particularly as um, incomes have not increased alongside the incredible cost of housing. And uh, there's really a lack of affordable housing for, for children and families. Dr. Carmela DeCandia, are there long-term effects on children who grow up in homeless shelters? Yeah, you know, we know a lot about child homelessness. Um, and when kids lose their homes, they lose more than just a place to live. They lose their sense of place and their connection to their communities. They lose, sometimes I've seen kids, they have to give up their possessions, their pets. Um, Families often get split up. It's not uncommon for families to have to split up. And, you know, the majority of the homeless child and family population is what's called doubled up. So that's about 75%. They're not necessarily on the street. That's not where you really see kids and families. Um, and shelter is often a last resort. They're really moving around from place to place, living with family and friends. And for kids, that kind of instability, that kind of exposure to stress and oftentimes violence can really be toxic for their development. Homeless kids are sick more often. They're hungry more often. Uh, about 20% of preschoolers and about 40% of school-age kids have a mental health condition. 
And by age 12, 83% have experienced at least one violent event in their lives. Wow, that's terrible. Well, Dr. Carmela DeCandia, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, you're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about what it's like growing up homeless. Uh, when we come back, we're going to find out from our guests some of the positive things that have happened and how they were able to turn these experiences around and how one mom's trying to turn it around right now, too, and also how you can get involved to help out. Um, 1-800-223-9797. If you're on the streets right now, let us hear from you. And listen this weekend to win tickets to see French Montana and Jeremiah with Funk Flex on the set December 9th at the Best Buy Theater in New York City. Plus, we're giving you tickets to our holiday party, Christmas in Brooklyn, at the Barclays Center on December 19th. See Run DMC, LL Cool J, Lecrae, DJ Khaled, and friends. And for the first time ever, Reverend Run and his son, Diggy Simmons, performing live on one stage where we are bringing together generations of hip-hop for one big night at Barclays December 19th. We'll be right back. You guys give it up for Monica. She wants to play Ride or Die. Yeah. All right, so we're going to call Trey. You're going to get him to come to the store to buy the lingerie. Hello? Hi, babe. I went into a lingerie store, and I, I spilled some coffee on it, and they want me to pay for it, and they're not going to let me leave. How much is it? $375. Monica, he's not ride or die. He loves you, but he's just not going to pay $375. He's not even supposed to take drinks in the thing with you, so that's, I, that's crazy. All right, nerd, shut up. <laughs> Ebro in the morning with Laura Styles and Rosenberg on Hot 97. New at the Home Depot, the Dremel Idea Builder 3D Printer. Let's rethink what a printer can do with an easy-to-use machine that creates actual physical objects, from ornaments to chess pieces to whatever else we can imagine. The only printer error is not getting one. Give the maker on your list the gift of endless possibilities. That's how to holiday. Let's do this. The Dremel Idea Builder 3D Printer for $999. More saving, more doing. That's the power of the Home Depot. Available in select stores, U.S. only, see store for details. Hi, meet my friend Tom. (laughs) Yep, he's a turkey. Appropriate, because at Hyundai's Thanksgiving feast, your Hyundai dealer's carving up some juicy deals. You can lease the entirely new Sonata for $159 a month for 36 months with $22.59 due at signing. That's piping hot. Tom, I'm talking here. How about a sleek Elantra? We've chopped its lease price to $139 a month for 24 months with $18.99 due at signing. Take it easy. You also get Hyundai Assurance, including America's best warranty, 10 years, 100,000 miles. That knocks the stuffing out of everybody else. Tom, get a grip. Visit buyhyundai.com or head to your Hyundai dealer now. It all ends December 1st. We're done. Now, come on. We're going to be late for dinner. Registration tax, title and license extra, zero security deposit. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Call 1-877-247-1669 for lease details. Offer ends 12-114. Think you have to settle for just any health plan? Affinity Health Plan has over 26,000 providers in their network, along with 85 of the area's best hospitals, giving you the flexibility to find a doctor that fits your needs and lifestyle. Affinity offers more options, a larger network, and quality customer service, all for some of the best prices in the market. And now, you can even buy a plan directly at their online store, AffinityOnlineStore.com. Call today at 866-731-8001 or visit AffinityPlan.org. Open enrollment runs through February 15th. Don't settle for just any plan. Settle for more with Affinity Health Plan. Business owners, ask us how to help you create a healthy business. Call today, 866-731-8001 or visit AffinityPlan.org. At H&R Block, we get it. Unexpected expenses come up this time of year. With H&R Block's Emerald Advance, if approved, you can get a line of credit for up to $1,000. All you need is your latest pay stub and a photo ID. No W-2 required. Make an appointment at 1-800-HR-BLOCK or go to hrblock.com. H&R Block Emerald Advance line of credit offered through H&R Block Bank member FDIC. Subject to underwriting and credit approval. Available at participating offices. Fees and conditions apply. Details at www.hrblock.com slash Emerald Advance. Emotional period November 24, 2014 through January 15, 2015. This is a horn. And this is an invigorated horn. Just like an invigorated horn, BP Gasoline with Invigorate can give you more. 
When used continuously, it helps clean and protect critical engine parts from harmful deposits, so your car can go a little farther between fill-ups when compared to a dirty engine. For more details, visit mybpstation.com. Average benefit, 3 to 5 miles per tank, based on what you drive and how you drive it. Hark how the deal, sweet beauty steals, blow me away. Benefits dealer, urban decay, beauty is here, bringing good cheer. Merry, 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 Alta. All gifts I find, his, hers, and mine. Fragrance galore, she will adore. Lips, nails, hair, skin, and eyes. Thursday, Ulta stores open at 8 p.m. for the best Black Friday beauty deals. Check Ulta.com for local store hours. Ulta Beauty, gift gorgeously. What up? This is Trey Songz, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people, only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers on Twitter, at Lisa Evers. Instagram, Lisa Evers Live. LisaEvers.com for podcasts, free show audio of this show and other Street Soldiers episodes. And again, our condolences go out to the uh, family of Akai Gurley, 28-year-old Akai Gurley of Brooklyn, who was shot and killed by a police officer in the pink houses in Brooklyn on Thursday. We're watching that case very closely. And if you want to follow updates, I'm sure I'll be covering this for Fox 5 News. Later today and throughout the week, you can follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers. And uh, what we're talking about is this epidemic, not Ebola. It's a different type of epidemic that's actually affecting many more people here in the United States, especially in New York City, homelessness. We have more than 50,000 homeless people in shelters. Those are the ones they're counting. This doesn't account for people who are doubled up with relatives, who are sleeping here or there, wherever they can get their, you know, find a place and find somebody that's going to take them in. Doesn't include what's on the streets. More than half of those, more than 24,000 children tonight are going to be sleeping in a homeless shelter. More than 24,000 children on Thanksgiving are not going to be with family and friends. They're going to have to be back at the shelter by a certain time because there's a curfew. Otherwise, they lose the shelter space. They're not going to be able to go to a family member's and sleep over. There's a lot of different rules and regulations that apply to uh, families that are in this situation. Joining us in studio is Jasmine Hernandez. She's a mother of three. She is working two jobs. She's currently in a homeless shelter with her children, um, trying to find a way out to get an apartment. Also with us is Eugene Woody. He's a volunteer with 500 Men Making a Difference, the organization in Brooklyn that does so much good in the community. He grew up homeless. He's currently a digital arts creator, documentary filmmaker. And, uh, of course, your phone calls at one 800 223 9797. That's 1 800 223 9797. Are you a teenager? Are you on the streets right now? Give us a call 1 800 223 9797. So, Jasmine, you're in the shelter. You're working with a program because you're a domestic violence survivor. Yes. You have two jobs. Right. You have one day off, which is Friday, that, that you can spend with the, you know, actually spend time with the kids. What's th- this Thanksgiving going to look like for you? Well, most likely I'm going to have to work one job and, you know, the second job, you know, I'm not going to work, but I have time, a little time to spend with my kids. So, so will there be like a traditional Thanksgiving meal or what will, what will be happening? Well, every year we celebrate with our family. Um, The kids will be there with my family. And once I come out of work, I'll just go straight there and spend, you know, the rest of the hours that's left with them. And what do you really need? What I really need is an apartment. That's that's all I really need. That's all I want. Like, I don't need anything else. I don't need money. Just an apartment. And you're working with the counselors at the domestic at the DV shelter. You've done everything that they've asked you to do and more. You have the jobs. You have the child care in place. Yes. You said you're certified for housing. So what's the holdup? Well, in, in New York City housing, there's a whole bunch of apartments that's available that they don't want to fix so people could come move in. There's a lot. Even where my mom live at, there's like 10 apartments that I could just look and that's available that they don't, call, you know, they don't fix so we can move in. I guess it's more expensive to fix it than, you know, to have people move in. And these are empty apartments in public housing? Empty apartments. And what do they give you? Do you, uh, do you have a certain, isn't there a time limit too to how long you can stay in a DV shelter? Um, a year. Um, I make a year on not January, but I make a year in, in January being in a shelter. But for that DV shelter, I think it's April that I make a year. After a year, you know, I, I don't know what, what will happen from there. So you really need to, it's, it's really urgent. You need to find a place like ASAP. Yes. 
Yes. All right. So if anybody knows of any place for Jasmine, anybody can help, please give us a call 1-800-223-9797 or give me a call on my office line 212-452-4875. That's 212-452-4875. And a lot of this is very sad and it's very upsetting to people, especially this time of the year. But Eugene, there was obviously your mother did something right to raise you and raise your two sisters. Yes. Were there things that you learned from that experience that, you know, as you look around at other men, you see, like, wow! I have this. Adv- it's it's almost an advantage. Um, the strength and the will that she basically just showed us in, in those adverse times was just the reason why I'm standing here today, and I can even be here with you guys. Um, she was dealt some very hard blows, and she, she should have gave up a long time ago. Like I've never seen her cry, even though I know she did, but she never did it in front of us. She always displayed confidence. She always displayed strength. She always looked us right in our eyes and told us, we're going to get through this. We're going to be fine. Just stay together. So it actually brought us closer. You know, I have a, a great relationship with my two younger sisters and my mom. And you know, that that close-knit family group that we have is just something that keeps me going. And, you know, I'm actually thankful that we went through that because I don't think I'd be the person that I am today if I didn't. And also because if you'd been in different circumstances, you might not have learned to depend on each other as much. Exactly. My sisters have a... a, a um. I would say a confidence about themselves as younger women because my my father died when we were younger and um, they didn't really have that father figure and I kind of just moved into that space because I could have did a lot of things when we moved when we moved from Pennsylvania the township actually put money together for me to stay there to play basketball because I was very good at it but they wouldn't be there with me so I just looked at the situation and said there's no way I'm leaving my sisters and my mother in a shelter system while I play basketball and basically live a good life so you know you make decisions like that and then I start from making that decision I actually seen them making decisions as well as being selfless and you know making sure that we're okay and just you know they were young girls and they started doing things that I never seen them do before like they were just don't worry about it we got it taking themselves to school making sure that they were okay and you know they were being bullied in school because of the shelter system. Because of being homeless. Because of being homeless, but they stuck together, and they actually had other kids that lived in, in the shelter system with us, and we they actually banded together because they were saying, we're not going to take this from anybody, and they actually got that from my mother telling them, listen, you don't take no mess from nobody. Just because we are here doesn't mean this is us, you know what I mean? And everybody started to feel the same way, and you started seeing the confidence in everybody. So that actually, that, that, that pride and just that we're just the same and we're as good as everybody else and not allowing other people to slap a stigma on you that feeling spread to the other kids exactly and they I, i'm telling you we would they would be people because we were right by um basically projects on the south side of jamaica queens and they were just people that would just come to the you know to the shelter system just to pick on us you know what i mean and it got to the point where everybody just looked at each other and said it's not gonna happen you know you're not we're not going out like that we're just like you and People started to see that, and then they started to leave us alone. And the uh, in, in terms of how that's helped you in your career, tell me about that. Um, I will not give up because of that. Like I didn't see my mom give up, so there's no way I'm going to give up. Um, we went from the shelter system to the projects, and the, the battle wasn't over for her. We actually got evicted three times. We got um, unlawfully evicted two times because of a situation where you know my mom she was out of work, and we were working and. The base rent that we had spiked so high because everybody had an income now. So they, you know, they told us that it would never reach um, a certain point, and then they started charging us way more money than it was worth living there. And we got into a situation where we had to keep fighting NYCHA with these situations, and that's actually how the documentary spread because. I saw my mom's situation. She was still fighting, still going through it. And I was like, there's got to be something I can do to get the awareness out there to show that there's people in these situations that. You know, they shouldn't be stigmatized because of it. Just because you live in the projects and you live in adverse conditions doesn't mean that people can sit there and say bad things about you and put you in a box and you actually work harder than people that don't. So, yeah, so, to, there's so much to keep together. We have a lot of phone calls. Let's go to the phone lines. And, and Jasmine and Eugene, feel free to jump in, please, if you want to make a comment on what people are saying. Sure. This is Jennifer from Queens. Hi, Jennifer. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi. Um I'm calling, um, me and my family, we've always lived for years, we've been homeless. We lost our housing, and my six-month-old son was there. And from there, I had a baby in the shelter. I was in the shelter for years, three years working, um, never got a program, never really got out. We took an opportunity to leave town, and we went to Binghamton, New York. 
And coming here just two days ago, my stuff right back on the porch. Wanting to come back home, but knowing you have to go into a shelter is so hard. There, there's no opportunities anywhere right now. You still constantly become homeless, and you see yourself just returning back and returning back because there are no opportunities, no programs, no nothing. And you come to another place thinking it would be better, and it's just the same. And so what's your situation now, Jennifer? Again, another homeless situation. Like, we just lost our place Friday. But, you know, it, thanks, thanks to that pen of stairs, we got another place. But it's just another thing. You got to wash the rugs. You got to wash the walls. You can't, you know, I got three little kids. I have, a, I have three little kids that are going through this year after year, year after year. And it's constantly, I change their schools all the time. Being in a shelter is not fun. It's no, not. It's, uh, and it's, just going to another place and going and knowing that you want to be home because your job opportunities is better, it's, it's, it's too much. When you hear, when I'm hearing this right now, as soon as I woke up, this is the first thing I heard about the shelters and I've been there. I know the difference. I know what it is to be homeless. I know what it is to be starving and not have any opportunity when you're working and in the shelter and not being able to get out. And what do you want people to know? What what would make a difference for you? Obviously, an apartment, but do you are you working or are you able to work? Or are the kids really little? You know, where I am now, there are no job opportunities. So you either depend on the system, or you just in the street. So it's like wanting to go back home because my job opportunities are good, and wanting to go back to the city, but knowing that if I do do that, I have to go into a shelter in order to do it. It's, it, it is a chance. It's a, it's a very to tough choice. Very tough choice. Well, listen, yeah. I, w- I wish we had uh, wish we had some people here that could help you with that. But I want to thank you very much for the call, Jennifer, and we wish you a lot of, a lot of good luck as much as possible. Let's go to Jabril right now from the Bronx. Jabril, hi, you're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. Um. Yes. How you doing? All um, right. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right this morning. I basically just wanted to say, uh, you know, the reason why it's hard for all these empty apartments to be filled. Uh, by people in the shelter system because there are certain inspections that need to be passed uh, by the city in order for them to move in. And, you know, the landlords don't want to get these apartments fixed for inspection. It's it's actually, uh, it benefits them. It's more beneficial for them if they can just find somebody to just rent the apartment straight out. Um, You know, a lot of of people are actually moving into homes into New York City, which is, uh, pretty much illegal, but these are the only opportunities that they have to have, uh, you know, to to be to have housing. What do you um, mean moving into moving into homes? You mean no, into rooms, empty homes? rooms, rented rooms. Oh, renting rooms. Oh, okay. Rent, renting yeah. rooms, right? Right, correct. Um, the apartment, the, uh, the the city used to have a bunch of programs in place for people to. Uh, get apartments as far as vouchers and everything like that, but a lot of landlords don't want to accept the vouchers because they don't come as cash. They're not they're not vouchers that they can actually use, um, and the city gives them issues when it comes to actually cashing in these vouchers. So it's a big it's, it's a big problem it's making just, the transition from the shelter into permanent housing no, for a lot de- of people. Definitely, and there, there's, a, there's a lot that's, uh, you know, we see, thank you, Jabril, for the call. We appreciate it. There's a lot of people like Jasmine that are working, that have child care in place, that are ready to, uh, you know, ready ready to make that move, but the housing just isn't there. Eugene? Um, I want to speak to the last caller. Was her name Jennifer? Yeah. Um, in the time that you're not working right now, I think it would be best for you to just get involved in a lot of community organizations. Um, start to network that way because if you if there's no programs, you got to find the people that can help you get to um, permanent housing. If the system isn't giving it to you, you got to give it to yourself. So you just got to get more active and be out there because the people are out there, the resources are out there. It's just that we don't know about them. All right, Jasmine? I do know that there's one program called Link One from Public Assistance, but you have to have public assistance to get this program. Like, I don't understand. Like, that means landlords want people that work. If you don't work, they're not going to accept that program. So you're giving this this program to people that have public assistance. Most of these people that have public assistance don't work. So you offering these programs to people that, you know, shouldn't have them, that you, you should give them to people that work and that could pay their portion of the rent. And pay the rent and just need and need, need some help with it. And obviously the thing with NYCHA is a big deal about the empty apartments 
that we keep hearing about and also yeah. um, underutilized apartments, people that have been there, you know, for a long, long time. Their kids are grown up and it's it's one person in a in a three bedroom apartment. Let's go to um, Iquan right now. Um, Iquan from Brooklyn. You're a single yeah. dad. Thank you for joining us on Street Soldiers. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Thank you. Tell us about your situation. Yeah, um, just making a blessed transition right now back into society after being removed. And I, I, I really believe the selfish system do have a psychological effect on young black and Latino males and females. No, I, th- I think that's I think that's absolutely true, and I think people have you know have have talked about that, and uh, you know we did a show for Good Day Street Talk for Fox Five with the Noel family, the four children, yeah. who uh, ended up getting an apartment that Five Hundred yeah. Men Making a Difference helped us furnish, and the story from the TV show, uh, the TV report helped help put some shine some light on that. They're now living in public housing, but it's also the difference in the kids. When I saw the kids this week after being in an apartment was. Like night and day, like they were like normal kids now, just like totally, you know, t- totally happy and carefree, and they just didn't have that cloud hanging over their head. It's like my kids. I have I have three kids, and my kids are are very stressed, and and I know as a mother because the way they behave, like I feel like that if they had a stable home, they wouldn't behave the way they behave, and my kids are really out of control. Like we take therapy every week just to try to fix their behavior, and even their school, their their grades are not you know above. Standard, or even, you know, where they're supposed to be. It's, it's really hard for them, you know, to learn, and that's how they show their emotions. Like, you know, they can't speak. They can't tell me, Mom, but, I, you know, I'm very stressed out. They, they show it that way, and it's really hard for me as a mother to try to control them the way they behave. And, and I have three that I have to take care of and focus, and it's, it's really difficult. So No, and you're, you're to be commended for, A, getting out of the domestic violence situation that was unhealthy for you and for the kids, and also, Jasmine, for working so hard to try to make it, you know, make a life for yourself and the children and keep everybody together. That's that's incredible, really incredible what you're doing. Yes, thank you. No, it, it really is. Let's go right now to um, Aaliyah Rowe. She's with City Harvest. If you don't know what City Harvest is, you should. They help feed more than 1.4 million New Yorkers every year. Aaliyah, thank you so much for being with us. Good morning, Lisa. It's so wonderful to be on. I was listening to the show, and, you know, I mean, in addition to homelessness, food is also a problem, people having access to affordable food. You know, I mean, City Harvest will collect more than 50 million pounds of food this year. We basically collect from restaurants, grocers, manufacturers, and farmers, and we deliver it all free of charge to more than 500 community food programs across the city. So folks who are in situations where they need food, um, you can totally find like a um, soup kitchen or a food pantry, and they'll you know which will give you access to food. All right, and then if people, um, Aaliyah, so so you go to restaurants, you take mm-hmm. the food, you take the food that's you know the food that doesn't get sold, and yeah. then and then you deliver it to different programs throughout the uh, throughout the city. Throughout the city, um, City Harvest embarked upon um, a program called the Healthy Neighborhoods Program about three years ago. And it's a strategy in addition to food rescue. We also offer nutrition education. We work with bodegas and supermarkets within specific catchment areas, you know, to try to offer a whole package. Because um, not eating nutritionally can also be a problem. You know, you have children that go to school. They haven't eaten in in the morning without breakfast, which is like a poor meal. You know, children can't concentrate. You know, and I know families are, are dealing with lots of rough times, but um, we do offer these programs. I go out on the street every day. I'm teaching courses within um, the catchment areas of the South Bronx. We work in Bed-Stuy, Washington Heights, and Inwood. We work on the South Shore of Staten Island and Northwest Queens. No, that's wonderful. Aaliyah, thank you very much for being with us. For more information, go to their website, cityharvest.org. That's cityharvest.org. Aaliyah, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Lisa. Have a great day. All right. We really, we really appreciate it. And I, w- I wish we had we had more time because we have a lot of telephone calls. Dion from Long Island says he was in a shelter, wants to know why people keep having kids. Well, I think that's a question for a lot of other people. Harold from Harlem came out 
uh, came home from doing a bid, shocked with what he's seeing, the amount of homelessness. Deborah from Manhattan, living in a shelter now with two small kids. Deborah, keep your head up. Sincere from North Jersey, where are the politicians? What are they doing about this? Duan from Manhattan says rents are too high. That's causing homelessness. And Anthony from Brooklyn works for a shelter system. The shelter system's also lived in it and has comments too. And, I, and I'm sorry to them and to everybody else. We can't get your telephone calls on the air, but I, wa- I want to thank our guests so much for being with us in studio. Jasmine Hernandez, mother of three, working two jobs, living in a shelter. And what's your what's your holiday wish? Just to get an apartment. That's the only thing I wish for, you know, for my kids to be happy. Like, they need it. It's for them. I do it for them. Everything I do, it's for them. All right. Eugene? Um, Just keep your head up. This is not the end of your story. And basically, you're the author of it. So I know it's bad now, but it's going to get better. Just keep putting in that hard work to get yourself out of that bad situation. All right. I want to thank you both for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. And if you want to help children that are in the homeless shelter, if you want to do anything to make their holiday brighter, if you want to help Jasmine, if you have an in, if maybe you're a NYCHA worker, can help expedite something here, Department of Homeless Services, you can give me a call at 212-452-4875. That's 212-452-4875. Hit me up on Instagram, Lisa Everett. Live, Twitter, Lisa Evers, and also uh, the show audio from this episode of Street Soldiers, as well as our previous ones, is on LisaEvers.com. This episode of Street Soldiers was made hot for you by Lifestyle Saturdays at LQ Nightclub. Check out Lifestyle Saturdays at LQ on Lexington between 47th and 48th. More info, visit Elite Group. Dot com. We thank them for sponsoring Street Soldiers. And I want to thank my whole crew here at Hot 97, our uh, program director, Jay Dixon, our music director, T.T. Torres, our digital director, Jeffrey Thacker, board op and digital assistant, the one and only TJ, 2015 calendar coming soon. Also special support here behind the scenes from the one and only at Michael Medium, my executive producer, Tone Capone, the one and only Tone Capone. If you have an idea for us for Street Soldiers, you'd like to be on the air, hit us up, Lisa at Hot97.com, Lisa at Hot97.com. I know some of you want Tone's direct email. Here it is, Tone, the number four real at gmail.com tone the number four real at gmail.com and also uh hashtag team lisa thanks to team lisa Rafaela, and rose d and again follow me on twitter at lisa evers i'll be keeping you posted of what's happening with the akai Gurley case also we're watching ferguson the grand jury is going back on monday and also we're expecting some developments with the eric garner case on staten island soon so make sure you follow me on twitter if there's breaking news you know hashtag breaking news at lisa evers you're going to get it right there so uh check me out on the fox 5 news today at 6 and 10 have a great week everybody have a really wonderful thanksgiving and and let's really think about what we have to be thankful for and also what we can do to make this a better holiday season for other people as well have a great week um i hope you have a wonderful week peaceful week and amazing thanksgiving use your mind it's your best weapon i hope it's your only weapon i'm lisa evers push for peace this has never been done before 97 teams up with our sister station wbls to bring families together this holiday season with two generations of hip-hop for one big night make some noise it's christmas in brooklyn performing live it's rev run from run dmc this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It's your man, LL Cool J. They call me Big LA. LL Cool J. Featuring DJ Z-Trip. Bring the whole family to the joint. Just added. Hey, yo, yo, yo. This is Ray Shrimmer. This is Diggy. Plus Lecrae. No flex. Zone. Two generations of hip-hop for one big night. It all goes down at the Barclays Center, December 19th. Tickets on sale now with Ticketmaster. This is a horn. And this is an invigorated horn.